the Black Light Mass Incarceration Show. I am your host, Sierra Cobb. Black Light Mass Incarceration Show is a space that is used to uplift the unheard voices of the criminal and social justice issues that many face today. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Sponsored by Emancipate NC. Welcome, Black Light listeners. Welcome back for another episode. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing today? Today's show is on love and throw away the key. And I guess today our guest is on the interview. He explained his situation of being incarcerated for 30 years plus. And the conditions that he went through why he's been incarcerated and what he's seen and what he thinks that he might go through when he get out. So it's like the situation with that is not being text savvy. So everything is touch screen now, different kind of styles of clothes, cars, everything is more electric. And when he got incarcerated, it was on some in the 70s and 60s stuff. So I can imagine how he feeling, and then his mindset, because he's explaining his stuff how he really doesn't even know how to socialize with women, because he's been sociable with men his majority of his time, over three decades, but it's 10 years at a term, like, I, I could imagine, I could understand that, I mean, your only female is an officer with some type of authority over you. So that's really not it's really not explaining or learning how to talk to a woman. I mean I could understand it like that's kind of crazy. You don't think that is but like that's kind of that you lose social skills? Yeah. Like I don't I mean yeah fix a problem like that. Um, so that means that they need more family contact oriented type of programs. Um, I feel like that especially needs to be done once you hit medium minimum. I feel like there needs should be more family contact, doing more things with the family during visitation. Um, I know some prisons actually have or they have like weekly activities for the families to come and do uh you know california still has um they don't call them conjugal visits but they call them family visits where they can at least spend like two days um so does new york so i feel like stuff like that will still keep people up to date probably not with technology because you know of course the prison wants technology where they can control it but as far as having social skills, being able to socialize outside of prison and not with just your people inside, and that comes from having those type of programs. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I could see that. I mean, like, it's, it's not building a better character. I could say that much. Like, it's not, it's not building a better mental adjustment where you can think that you can overcome the situation in which you came in prison for. Because you've been cut off from society, so I think more re more reentry programs should be established when it comes to the prison program. Because the system that they have now is really not working. It's like deteriorating the brain. 
Well, it keeps you isolated. Well, he more animalistic behavior. As he mentioned? Yeah, he definitely mentioned that. I mean, it does, though. It does create more animalistic behavior. Like, it does not creating a person to be a loving, daring person. It's teaching a person to hate. It's teaching a person to always be depressed. It's teaching a person to um, be isolated. It's teaching a person to... I mean, it's a whole bunch of stuff I can go down the line about when it's... And it's called a mental disorder, so... I just can't see how the prison system right now today is correcting anybody's behavior. Like, y'all say that it's supposed, it's supposed to, but y'all lock people up and throw them away, like, and just forget about them. And some people's family members do the same thing. Like, I feel like it needs to be more family support, too. I mean, I know a person might do what they did to get in there, but that don't mean that you just bail out on them. Because, I mean, still at the end of the day, it's still a hope for some type of change. It's still, it's still that person can develop a new behavior to be a new person. So you shouldn't just crap out on them. Like, it's, it's, just, it's just not, it don't sit well with me. Especially without our experience and I know for a fact. I think that it needs to be a better system than what it is. And I'm saying this to a lot of family members, too. Y'all might could complain about certain stuff or whatever, but those active behaviors come from somewhere. So, you know what I'm saying? You don't know what you could have did or how you was treating that individual or y'all think that the person just started acting crazy just because, and that ain't, that is not the case. So, I mean, some people need to be honest about what's going on with certain family members. Some, some family members could be treated better than the other family members. Some people could feel neglected from other siblings, moms, how they treat you, aunts, uncles, etc. man. Y'all really need to pay attention to that because it ain't just on the individual that's incarcerated. And I ain't losing sides of that, but that's the reality here. What you think, man? Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are, you know, they have a rough life. So whatever they grow up on is basically how they teach their children. And so if you're in a chaotic environment or an environment that, you know, has a bunch of traumatizing activities going on, then, of course, a child is not going to be able to thrive, especially when they get to, the, to an adult stage because they don't know those social emotional skills. They don't know how to control their emotions. So, yeah, I mean, of course, it has a lot to do with your family support and how you grew up and what you grew up on. But it definitely does need to be more family support. I know when I was waiting to come see you for a visit, one lady asked, like, asked the prison, you know, can there be a thing set up where people can come visit other people who don't have family members because it's important that they still have some type of human contact outside of prison if they don't have family members because you got to remember, like, he's been locked up since 1990. So that's, like, over 33 years of being incarcerated. Yeah. And, you know, his mom just passed. And he said he hadn't seen his mom in 20 years. So really all he know is the people that's incarcerated with him from prison and prison that he's been transferred to. He doesn't have, from what I can tell, any outside support. So, of course, like, prison just takes social beings out of social society because... It's like, I don't know, it's just like, you know, you commit this crime 
for people who have and people who haven't. And so they say, well, it's a deterrent. Well, that's not a deterrent. Like treating people inhumane is not a deterrent. We're not saying that it has to be, you know, like they're at home, but there also needs to be some sort of human, like there needs to be humanization period to prison. Like if you want to incarcerate people or you have people that do commit crimes who do need some time away, there still needs to be all types of real rehabilitation. Like there's no rehabilitation. Like I know California has rehabilitation in their name and there's no rehabilitation in California either. So it's, it's like, stop using deploys to say, Oh, well we do this, we do that. We keep the community safe when no, you're terrorizing the community because you're tearing people down. And when you decide to let them come out, and they go commit another crime, and you're like, oh, see, they shouldn't have been out. Like, that don't even make sense. They committed another crime because you didn't give them any type of skills while they were in prison. Like, you got some children that, like I said, are incarcerated since a child, so they're not learning any social-emotional skills. They're not developing in the way they would if they were outside in the world. So what are you expecting when you let them go if they do act out? Well, they, they are creating narcissists. Yeah. <laughs> They're creating a lot of stuff. Definitely creating. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just like, why are they not creating workable programs? Right? Well, we know why they're not creating workable programs. Yeah. It seems like society is stigmatized too with the system. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. I mean, everybody has judgmental on something. Or they put stuff on TV for the public to be in awe about, and they replay it like it's a whole traumatic situation, and they blow it out of proportion to make that person look like a straight up savage. Right? I mean, they they really got a lot to do with it. Well, that's why the media was created. That's why you need people in the media like myself and other people who shift the narrative back to the humanization of people. With that being said, y'all, we'll be right back. Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back to the show. So we were talking about uh, people being locked up and they threw away the key on them because that's what the interview is on. And y'all going to hear real live from a person that's been locked up <laughs> over 30 years and what, it's, what a person sounds like. It's been locked up over 30 years. So it's like, uh, they could be traumatized. You don't think that's traumatizing? Yeah, it's traumatizing because not only did he talk about, you know, how long he's been locked up and why, he just talked about, like, what he's seen over his 33 years of being incarcerated. Like, you're going to hear the same story, like, the same storyline from everybody that's incarcerated, how they say that there's no family support, that they just talk to you like you're nothing, that they always call them liars, that prison turns people into animalistic thinking. Like, this is what prison does, y'all. Like, this is this is what we want y'all to understand, that prison will never keep anybody safe. It will never rehabilitate anybody until they change the culture of prison. It don't even need to be called prison anymore. It needs to be 
some type of true rehabilitation, just like when you go for physical therapy and things of that nature, where you get help if you need true help. If you can't be among the population of people, it needs to be a place where you can get true help. And if you're able to come back out here and live like a citizen, yes. But if you're not, then still they need to be in a humanizing situation where they are getting help for whatever disturbance that they have going on. And most of it is simple stuff. Like, mental health is a big part of it. And America does not have the hold on mental health. They feel like if you go and talk to a psychiatrist or a counselor and take psychotic medicines that everything will be okay and they'll teach you these coping skills. But it's a lot deeper than that. A lot. It really is. Like, mental health is very poor when it comes to the prison system and institutions. So, like, uh, they rather not deal with you at all. They claim and tell people that they do a lot of uh, mental health activities, but they really don't. They don't do nothing at all. They, they just be on some moment. I'm going to check on you and make sure you're not killing yourself. And he's reaching out. They ain't really doing that. Like they, they're not reaching out to nothing. Like they got people who really messed up. And they cause them more mayhem than they are support. And your peers is not, it's not your real peers. <laughs> they speak beside you. You don't know what their intentions are. You know what I'm saying? They haven't even been rehabilitated to rethink this situation. They could be in here for rape or taking children or anything. It could be a kleptomania. It, it, it doesn't matter, but that's, that they still embrace that behavior, that they still got it. It hasn't been uh, recounseled. Right. It hasn't been, yeah, so... This is something that is still ongoing. If they don't have no family support, this is how they use a means of survival. So, you know, people only do what they can on survival. I mean, like, if they was a robber or a bank robber or a con artist, this is how they're going to survive in prison and try to get something to eat and survive, uh, get deodorant and lotion and something like that set to put food in their locker. So... People got to really think about that format on an ongoing sentence with no really no rehabilitation program. So you got to think about that. Right. In prison, keeps you on a constant fight or flight mode. So if you in if you're stuck, if your parasympathetic is stuck in a constant fight or flight mode, then just imagine what your body is going through and your mind like having that adrenaline dripping like that constantly can literally change the way your brain functions. Yeah, here comes PTSD and bipolar and uh, high anxiety and a lot of phobias uh, all in one. You're going to be dealing with those. And they're going to give you the psychomeds that's going to cause more side effects. That will amplify. They will amplify what you're already going through. Or not help at all. Yeah. And don't say it ain't working. They just gonna they just gonna raise it up. They ain't gonna do nothing. They just gonna raise the doses. Mm-hmm. So don't tell them you it ain't working now because they gonna raise the doses. Yeah, I am a living testimony of that. Had me on Seroquel and started off at like fifty milligrams and. It literally did nothing for me when I hear people say, "Oh, well, I'd be knocked out for half a day or all day plus two days." 
And then, you know, mine wasn't working. So by the time I stopped actually taking it, I was already up to like almost 500 milligrams, maybe. Yeah. And this is going through trauma. Right. I mean, like, you know, so going through trauma on a consistent basis every day, it was like serious. Like, that's something that you really got to work through to really get your body back regulated. You ain't doing nothing to tearing it down. Well, I did. I did see something that said that when you cry, your body begins to self-regulate itself because it's a way of healing. Yeah, I mean, I can see that to a certain extent. They're gonna need a little bit of help with that. I mean, after that. Well, I mean, whatever process you have to take to get through your grief, whether it's constantly crying, but you have to like process that and not hold on to it. Like a lot of people hold on to it. Oh yeah, grassmasters. <laughs> we got a lot of we got a lot of grassmasters locked up. And the family too. Family members hold records against they they can too. They don't make you no better. If you really want to be honest, grudges only make you a worse person. When you sit there trying to judge somebody else and you holding grudges, you ain't you ain't no better than the person that you holding the grudge against. It makes you even low over a person because you can't think you couldn't even think past it. Listen, most of these people now are not good foster parents. Was just in a meeting last night where I've heard of just hindering stories of, you know, them shipping the children off and not giving them kinship. Like, at least try to keep the child in the family. If they have a family that is able to take care of the child and you are terminating the mom or the father's rights, the first step should be make sure the children are in the family, not automatically adopt them out to foster care, which we know the state gets paid, the foster parents get paid, and that's the problem. People do it for a paycheck. They're not doing it for the well-being of the child. Like, I just seen an article where a seven-year-old boy, I think he was seven, might have been younger than that, was just strangled by his foster care worker, whatever that means. I guess foster parent, like, it's just, it's just getting too much of hearing children. Oh, God, that was a social worker. <laughs> See, it's just too much. Like, we're not protecting our children. We're not protecting our people. Like, it's, we got to do better. Definitely got to get it together. Yeah, I, I really do. I would like, would like to hear some of, if anybody got some Experiences uh, that they got a loved one that's incarcerated and you holding a grudge against him or her. I mean, how do y'all feel about the situation? Because, I mean, y'all people too, y'all are listeners too. And I, I don't take signs. I, I want to hear all. So, like that, I mean, do you have a reason for your action? Or do you want to be there for your sibling or your loved one? If you do, reach out. I mean, and that's what we're here for. 
Great. I also want to mention that Emancipate NC has has worked with Jatoya, um, and she has a organization called Thrive Tribe NC, and they are an organization that is geared to advocating for um, parents' rights, kinship, and just all around about awareness about CPS and how they don't protect the children. So if you know anybody out there that's going through that same thing, please reach out to her. It's Thrive Tribe NC. I will put the other information in the description of the episode um, so you can reach out to her if you want to help advocate to help on that end because our children that are funneled through CPS are also funneled through the prison. So Remember the email. It's blacklight at emancipatenc.org. You can always hit us up on any of Emancipate NC social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So all you got to do is type in Emancipate NC and we'll pop up and you can contact us that way as well. So yeah, hit us up. Sure, y'all stay tuned. Hope y'all enjoy it. Are you feeling unheard after a negative encounter with a law enforcement officer, sheriff, or correctional officer? Visit the Emancipate NC website to report your encounter. Any individual can use the Emancipate NC form to report a police encounter, upload video, photographs, or other evidence, and share their information with the U.S. Today's National Police Misconduct Database. Share it with your friends, family members, and community. Our communities have the wisdom and the data we need to keep us safe from rude police. By crowdsourcing this information, we will be able to analyze departmental trends, mobilize campaigns for accountability, and file more effective litigation. Remember, we keep us safe. Sponsored by Emancipate NC. yourself. It's up to you. Prison is not the place where individuals come 
if they're looking for someone to reach out and aid in the system. The system is no longer designed for that. The system is only designed not to house reach and a warehouse for the, for the most part. And we're standing here on top of each other like sardines. You know, uh, when it comes to uh, following the letter of the law, North Carolina's State Department clearly shows that they are immune. And if it had not been for uh, people such as Sierra and our program, that we would be, you know, treated, you know, inhumane. And so we have to, we have to encourage uh, freedom fighters uh, such as these programs that are out here that's trying to ensure that uh, we be treated humane and that our, our rights would uh, continually be safeguarded. Because uh, uh, this day and time, the, the quality of staff that they have working here, have, they have no professional background and they have no personal relations. They do not have to, you know, have to deal with people on an individual level. They, they, they try to stack us all in, in, in one box and, and, and consider all of us values, you know, people that's trying to get over on the system, when those of us that's been in here for a, a certain amount of time, we're just trying to get this, this whole ideal behind us. And it, and it, and it reflects bad upon them. Those of us that's trying to, you know, stay clear of all the uh, nonsense or, or whatever you want to refer to their behavior, you know, or not complying with the rules and regulations. But uh, it's, 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 it's very difficult. And it's getting very, it's getting more so difficult because the people that they're hiring is only here for a paycheck. They're not here to try to aid and assist you and really do the yourself. Even though it's up to you to, to do that, you have to be the primary rehabilitator of yourself. And if you don't find avenues or if you can't find a compartment inside yourself and steal yourself and listen to this steel small voice inside of you, then you're going to be lost forever. But this is not a place for God. For change, it's not. I, you know. Can you, you tell know, us? You want to ask me or Yes. Can you tell us? Can you tell us, like, what have the changes you've seen since you've been incarcerated? Because you've been incarcerated for a while. Tell me the changes that you've seen throughout the years. change i mean so has it changed for the better or has it changed for the worse since you've been in there oh it's changed for the worse definitely for the worse yes they're holding guys home like i said they're only warehousing guys now and they're just got guys there 
you know, like my mother passed last night. You know, I haven't seen my mother in over 20 years. You know, and they, they do nothing to try to encourage family unity in the visitation and discourage the people coming up here with the visibly. You know, they have you sitting like you, 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 you are strange to the family. So they, it's all about creating this, a, a, a distance between you and the other and, and they didn't even let me go to my mother's wake. They wouldn't let me see the you know, they put me in the ground. None of that. So it's changed for the worse. Whereas there used to be a time inside of the institution, they would encourage your people to come see you. They would do everything that they could. They would even try to keep you closer to your home so that your people could come see you. That was the reason why they petitioned the federal government to build all these prisons in the state of North Carolina so that they could accommodate the people's family. They wouldn't have to travel so far. But this no longer is the option there. Like, I'm like eight counties over from my house. I'm from, I'm from the coastal area. I'm up here by Virginia Line. You know, right. and I'm not Tell us how not being able to have constant visits affects someone incarcerated. Well, it gives you, know, well, when you don't have people coming to see you, then you start to lose your part of your, your, your social interaction ability with society. To be honest, which I do not, I, I do not know how to interact in a conversation. I can't hold on to a conversation with a female. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, just a basic social conversation. I, I have, I don't know how to do that. I have lost yeah, how to communicate with a female. You know, because you and have you're been not trying to be dragged or, or, or disrespected. Nothing. The first thing that your mind go to you know, when you've been incarcerated, as long as I have, the only thing that your mind go to is you know, on a romantic or a sexual tip. Any woman you, 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 you speak to, you want to try to, to, to get on the side of her which you find interesting. You know, it's not no longer trying to socially interact with someone because they are a person and trying to get to know them as an individual. It's, it's, you know, so it affects it, you it, it, it tremendously. So, in so many words, what you're telling the audience is that prison takes social beings away from society because they have incarcerated you for so long that you really don't know how to socialize with other people besides the ones that you are locked up with. If, if, if your conversation that does not include, you know, uh, I can't pronounce the B word. But that, uh, if it doesn't uh, consist of that or talking trash, but Gerald's intellectual social conversations are bearing from you and then Only those of us who have tried truly seek ourselves and some kind of spiritual connection to our creator, we're the only ones that have, you know, intelligent conversations for the most part. But other than that, no, you're not going to you, you, you lose all sense of that. I don't even know how to work on alcohol. I still don't. And when I see games on television, I don't know if it's a game or a movie that they're coming out with. You know, I can't tell the difference. And tell people how long you've been, like, what year did you become part of the system? Oh, it was 1990. I got incarcerated in 1990. I've been incarcerated going on 33 years. That's a long time, folks. So he's missed decades of technology. So when he does come home, he's not going to know how to use anything. Is that correct? True. That is, I was telling you, I know nothing about, I'm, I'm, I'm computer illiterate. And when it comes to technology, you know, it, 
because you, you deal with the very, the very base of technology in here. You know, like they got these tablets, and uh, it's the very basis. And I really don't know how to operate that. You know, some of you, you, you generation that should not operate that. Right. You know, these tablets they have in here. Right. You know, they, they just not got this and this and so Oh, yes, I'm, um, I'm, yes, yes. Okay, well, Mr. Very Taylor, what we're going to do is we're going to give a break, and then we're going to come back and let you finish your story, okay? All right, Mr. Taylor, we're ready. Okay, yes. As I was saying, though, uh, incarceration, if you, if you come in here and you're a chemist, then you're gonna, one of two things is going to happen to you. You're going to either commit suicide, or I'm sorry, one or two, one or three things. I'm sorry. You're going to either commit suicide, become gay, get, you know, get someone to take care of you, or you're going to get on psychopathic drugs. That's the one. That's the only three things that's going to take place with you. If you come in here and you're a timid, if you are, you know, fragile, you know, what I'm saying you have, and this place is not meant for the uh, uh, the weak minds. Uh, uh, 
cliche term, whatever you want to call it, this 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 being written all the time. You know, you, you have to get an understanding of who you are. If you don't get an understanding of who you are and your place in this life and what you are here to be, then you're gonna continuously do the things that may get you where you're at. You know, because you, you you have no understanding of what better could be. And so I like to see the system change to trying to help people better themselves, rather than tear them, you know, spread them down and make them feel as though they have no control over nothing. Because, you know, the clothes that we get it is for like somebody just pick them up off the ground. Yeah, and these clothes will be clean clothes. That's what they treat you like nothing. Right. And so a lot of guys they they get that they they get that beastly mentality or that kind of a list makes starts to Layer up and left hemisphere of the brain, the left tail of your brain, it starts to kick in, and you know, so you start living basically like a savage you know, if you're not up on your P's and Q's. Right, so that's the environment that prison creates, is the animalistic environment. Yes, ma'am, it, it's exactly what it is. Yes, ma'am, because like I said, you know, they're changed to your face, you know. I don't do nothing you have to say. Whatever my officer say, that is what's going on. And it can be right down the counter. You know, I had a lawsuit, $35 in the courts. And, uh, and the hand paper was approved. These people went so far, they changed the documents on, on, on my court case. And I, being that I had no to no society uh, support out there in the streets, I had to leave it alone because I got natural life plus 40. If they're willing to change the document numbers on a, a court document, you know, the court said, I don't know how they done it. You know, or they got to do it done, you know, but it, it got done. And, you know, I showed some of the guys who did it a little bit about the law that, you know, I deal with. And they were like, yo, bro, you're doing the right thing. Because we don't have no support in here. They're through you in the same room. Yeah, they have to be like down there, by the way. You know, obviously jumped on. I'm just getting my honor grade. It took me 29 years to get honor grade. This is in 2021. I'm just getting an honor grade. They put me in the cell for 90 days. That was ruined that I did, did nothing. You know, just to show that this officer would be brought up on assault charges. So if you have no support in this cell, you don't. It's over for you. They use you as a tool. They use you as a tool to say, yeah, so this won't take place for the next individual. And so the next individuals don't do this because this is what's going to happen. But if you got somebody that's willing to call Riley or willing to call these people and try to find out what's going on with you, they'll have a tendency to back and forth for you. Or if you holler, you know, I'm going to get my lawyer to look into that, they'll hurry up and try to compromise. So, you know, I've, I've, I've had the worst of the worst in here. But it did me good because I needed that. I needed to see how cool life could be. Right. So tell us how important it is to have advocates and activists to speak for you all. If, if they had not been advocates, like I said, the, the building better respect that we get and the laws that they do obey, we would have it if they had not been advocates or programs such as the part one that you're part of. Because they ensure and they, they do as much as they can to try to inquire about the real being of him. Even though they're allowed to offer that, I don't even care. Uh, the things that we didn't hear causes cancer. 
And I can be a gifted 27-year-old man, 26-year-old man. I, I, I didn't contract the cancer, you know what I'm saying? I didn't got over it. You know, I don't know if it's come back. But if it had not been for Atticus, I would not have been treated. I had contact with uh, hepatitis C. Yeah. If it had not been for the Atticus group, there were two types of people with FC. They had to file a lawsuit, you know what I'm saying? And the, the advocacy groups, they, they, they the ones who push the, you know, start doing these things because y'all call these people that come in the institution healthy and we're supposed to be eating nutritionist meals. And how do these meals, how do you get sick? How do you contact these diseases? You know what I'm saying? Right. If this guy is going to be clean, fucking the most. And so the advocacy groups, they try to be sure that that's this is going to come out of the box. They tried to ensure that we had a, that we had a chemicals. Even though the chemicals put the water down, they, 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 they gave us plenty of water down chemicals. They tried to even let us stand through the curtains up so that we wouldn't have to, you know, whenever we call, we going to call for the next man. We know they would have taken down. But if they had not been for the attitude, we wouldn't have got where we got you know, they, 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 they made the, the course. They reached 3,500 of us, even though they never reached that number. You know, like I said, not a lot of things, but they don't have to obey the orders of the court. You know, but it's the fact that you got people out there that care enough to be out there willing to fight for people they don't even know. And, and, and that's very touching. And it's sad. So I, I, my hat and my heart goes out to y'all. I thank y'all very much for those of us that we thank you all for letting us fight on your behalf. You know, I fight for the voiceless because it's important. A lot of people like to throw the voiceless away and act like, you know, you don't deserve a second chance. But I say everybody deserves a second chance at life. They deserve a second chance to prove that they are a better human being and can contribute to the community. I thank you. Mr. Taylor, for all this valuable information, and I hope that the audience takes this valuable information and use it to advocate just like I do. No, I thank you, and I appreciate you for allowing me this platform today to express myself freely. And, um, yeah, and I had uh, whatever other is there, you know, I really don't care. You know, you know, try to reach back and retaliate. I, I wouldn't care to feel free to ask whenever or however or many times you want to. So yeah, I appreciate the platform. I thank all of you. Well, you're welcome. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Your host, Sierra Cobb. Take care.